Good evening, everybody, and welcome to our second talk in our Living the Faith series. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we ask for the grace to enter more deeply into our relationship with you, with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit, through the concept and the reality of total reconciliation to you, to everyone we know and have known in this life. We pray for all the grace, especially the grace of courage that we need to do that, even now in this session. Through Christ our Lord, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So just as a little recap of uh, what we talked about last time, session one, we talked about the purpose of human life that basically, like the Baltimore Catechism says, it is to know, love, and serve God in this life so that we can be happy with him in the next. It's another way of saying we are designed to become saints. That's, that's part of it. And being a saint is not being some... Uh, emaciated person in the Middle Ages flogging yourself in a small room. There were some saints like that. <laughs> it doesn't mean they're not saints. But that's not all it is. Being a saint is basically just the real you minus brokenness and evil. It's the real you, who you really truly are, minus brokenness and evil. So we become saints. We get to that level of being our true selves by actually living our faith. So this series helps us to know how to concretely do that. If you've ever asked yourself the question, well, how do I actually do this thing? How do I actually live my Catholic faith and become a saint? This is a very basic introduction to that. This session is called Total Reconciliation, Getting Right with God and Others. If there is something that the state of the world is teaching us right now, I think it's clear that we can fall into states of instability that we didn't think were possible. I don't know about you, but you know, a, a year ago, I did not think that many of the things we are experiencing right now were going to happen or were going to happen in such a proximate uh, way. But here we are. And many of them represent a, a degree of instability, increased instability in the world. Something that tells us is that our earthly life is temporary, right? We tend to, as we're, we're kind of going through our, our day, not think about the temporal nature of our human life, but it's temporary. It began at some point, and it's going to end at some point. And how it ends is the most important thing that happens to us. So when the exterior world is disintegrated, it calls us to a greater interior integration. When the exterior world is disintegrated, it calls us to a greater interior integration. Remember, the core of human desire is relationship. God is a relationship. 
the Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three co-equal divine persons. He's one God, but he's three truly divine persons. And that relationship between them, that motion of relationship, is what love is. And it is what reality is. I'll tell you this, I've seen a lot of people come to the end of their life. An unusual number of people come to the end of their life. And when they do, they, they do not want a bigger boat. They do not want uh, a bigger house. They uh, simply want to be reconciled totally to God and to other people. Why do we need to be reconciled then to God? Why do we have to be reconciled to him and other people? Why do people feel that when they come to um, the end of their life? Remember, sin is moving out of alignment with objective reality, being itself, God himself. It isn't breaking an arbitrary rule. It's choosing to disintegrate yourself from the very structure of reality. It's a break in relationship. So if you're thinking of sin as, oh, God's the biggest thing around and he made the rules and I broke one of his rules, I sinned, and now I got to get in alignment with another rule uh, so that I can get out of that sin and you just kind of feel like you're in this whole weird, you know, kind of, kind of thing. That's not it. It's not arbitrary rule breaking. It's disintegration from the very structure of reality. So we're all tempted to this. We all sin. We all need reconciliation. We all need reintegration with God because of that. It's a universal human reality. And we're all in it together. (laughs) We're in this boat together. Jesus said in Matthew 22, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The whole thing, he's saying, comes down to loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Well, you can't love God or anyone else, if you're disintegrated from them, right? If you're not in relationship with them, how can you be in relationship with them? So that's the structure of sin. That's what we're fighting against. The concrete question then we have to answer is if we're all in this boat together is, how do we reconcile with God and others? How do we actually do it? I guarantee you, you already know the answer. This is where being Catholic comes in real handy. God has given us direct access to his healing, his reintegrating power in the sacrament of confession. He says in John 20, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is the resurrected Jesus 
blowing his pure spirit and power on the apostles to give them this ability to forgive and retain sins by his power. He works through them. And that power comes down through the apostles, through the millennia, into silly little priests like myself. So we know that that's real. If there's a God and there's a Jesus, confession is real. Jesus is the incarnation. He's something concrete happening in the world. Confession is something concrete happening in the world. It's his power flowing in a very specific way into the lives of people. So if we know that to be true, and we know that that's the way forward, what do we do about it? Now, I'll tell you this as a priest. I would never reveal anything from confession that anybody said. A, any priest who does loses his entire life. He's immediately removed from the priestly state, and he never gets it back. And I think he's excommunicated, something like that. And his hands are chopped off. No, I don't know. I just, but it's a very extreme uh, case, right? So no, no priest in his right mind would ever say anything that happens in confession. <clears throat> but I'll say this in general about people coming to confession. Most are not very well prepared. And so I think what we have to do is if we recognize that we need this reintegration, we need this healing power, we got to prepare. Preparing is a huge part of anything that we take seriously in human life. So here's what we do concretely. First, we do an examination of conscience. So if you're not familiar with an examination of conscience, get familiar. <laughs> That's my recommendation. There's a great one on the EWTN website. We'll put the link somewhere on our site. Um, that version of it is printed out, and it is in the confession line when you come to confession at St. Patrick's. It goes through the Ten Commandments. I think any good examination of conscience, anything that's going to help you really look inward to see how you've been separated from the Lord is based on the Ten Commandments, is based on what God has given us as a framework for our moral life in this world. Do that examination of conscience every night. Here's the thing. It'll seem crazy for a while. Like, oh, man, this is, this is a lot of stuff. But as you keep doing it, you can't really go to sleep without it. You find that you come to the end of the day and you're like, you know, I need to take a look at what went off the rails today. Where was I uncharitable in my speech? Where was I unloving in my actions? Where did I violate the commandments to love God with my whole heart and to love my neighbor? There's a myriad of ways that you can do that. When your head hits that pillow, we should be thinking about that. Also throughout the day, but especially at night to do an examination of conscience. Do it every night before you go to sleep and write down what pangs your conscience on a piece of paper that only you have access to, or like I do, I put it in a locked note in my phone. So you have it, it's in your phone, and you're good to go. So what you're doing is, as you're doing your examination of conscience over a period of days or weeks, you're building a list. And the list is what you're going to bring to confession when 
you uh, present yourself before the priest. This is what helps us go more in the direction of, Father, you know, on at least five occasions I can think of, I was very uncharitable in my speech to my spouse. That's, that's different than kneeling down saying, well, in 1976, I remember my pappy used to tell me, if it quacks like a duck and walks like a, you're already off the rails. You've already gone off the rails, okay? It, that's fine for something like spiritual direction or, or whatnot, but confession is presenting yourself before the Lord saying, here's how I messed up. Now, please use your infinite power to heal me. Please use your infinite power to reintegrate me into objective reality. Examination of conscience every night, write the stuff down. Once you get used to that, you want to start going to confession with some frequency. So I've, I've said this before, I've mentioned it before in, in, in talks that I've given, and I will continue to mention it, you know, for the rest of my life. But there was a, a time in my life where I never went to confession. I think the gap between my first confession and one in, in my teen years was, you know, it was like a decade or something. Didn't even think about it. Never even emphasized, you know, in, in the house. And uh, when you're in a state like that, you get used to stuff. You know, things that you might normally not let slide, you let it slide. And something like, oh, I was uncharitable in my speech, might not even register to you because you are uh, deeper down the well of sin and, and the chaos that we experience in human life. Then when our Lord got a hold of me, I started going to confession about once a month and did that for many years. And that's great. And this is what I recommend, monthly confession. And then at, at some point, our Lord said, hey, you know what? Your tip of the spear, you should start going once a week. And so a while ago now, I started going to confession once a week. And initially, I thought, this is crazy. You know, I'm not exactly boosting cars. And uh, B, once a week seems a little extreme, you know. Honest to God, it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I mean, out of everything that's ever happened to me, starting to go to confession once a week is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Because what it does is it begins to sharpen your conscience and show you all the little ways that you're deviating from the path of God. All the little ways that you're not fulfilling the perfect will of God. And so the more you go along that path, and the more your conscience pangs you and you bring those things to confession and you're purified by the infinite power of God, the happier you are, <laughs> the more at peace you are. Remember, being a saint, it's you minus all the garbage, minus the evil and the brokenness. So if you just take all of that stuff out of the equation, you feel fantastic. And so now, I'm not kidding. I look forward to confession every single week. I'm like, ooh. It's almost confession day and I have my list and I'm ready to go. Because if you have the concept of making actual measurable spiritual progress of moving the ball forward, it's a joy giving thing to get anything out of your way. If there's something that's preventing you from making that progress, you like getting it out of your way. So I recommend if you're not used to it, start going once a month. Pick a day, pick a time, Pick a place, 
Know when your parish has confessions. Know when other parishes have confessions. A lot of people don't like to go to confession to their pastor, and that's fine. Even though, I'll tell you from this side of the desk, if you will, the only thing I'm thinking in confession is, yes, an another one reconciled. Another one reconciled to God. Another win for our Lord. And so I don't care what you bring. The point is that you're there and our Lord can use the power of his precious blood to restore you to his grace. Start going once a month. Pick the day, pick the time, pick the place and look forward to it. If you really let it all fly, if you really come in true honesty, total honesty and total contrition, it feels amazing. And it's going to help you progress like nothing else will in the spiritual life. Secondly, in that same vein, I would say, at least at one point in every Catholic's life, we should make what's called a general confession. So a general confession is your whole life. You sit for a quite a long time and examine your conscience and really think back on your whole life. And you let it marinate for a few days and you let it marinate for a few weeks or, or months maybe even, and really think at each little mini epoch of your life, what happened, what went off the rails during that epoch. I can tell you there are things I remember back to being three or four that um, I knew were wrong, that I did. Now the church teaches you can't be guilty of something until you, know, you reach about the age of seven, which is the age of reason. But I was three or four and I knew those things were wrong and I was doing them on purpose. Now, my ability to access uh, full assent of the will obviously wasn't there because three and four-year-olds have smushy little brains. They're real small. And so I couldn't fully uh, engage full, full consent of the will, so I couldn't be guilty of things in a mortal way, but I knew what was going on. When you do your general confession, you go back as far as you need to. That's fine. I did my general confession probably about 15 years ago. And uh, it was truly a transformative experience. Because what it is, is you're saying to the Lord, Lord, there was before this day, and there's after this day. Every single thing that has come before this, that has gotten me off track, that has caused me pain, that has separated me from you, I divorce myself from it. And in doing that, you are healed. The healing power of God. So. Your general confession, your whole life, do it at least once in your life. Do it sooner than later. And if it needs to, it can be repeated maybe over 10, 20, 30, 40 years, something like that. So regular confession once a month, general confession at least once in your life. That's how we get reconciled to God. He's literally given us a way to, to do it. It, it's such a blessing being Catholic. We, we have a way to actually do it, and we know that we are forgiven and healed in it. How about other people, though? That's kind of a, a, a sticky matter, right? We, in knowing people in this life, have breaks in relationship with them. We do something, or they do something, and we think, you know what? This is not, this is not what it used to be. So here's what I recommend. 
sit quietly and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten your mind. Enlighten your mind and your heart. Make a list in that state, once you're nice and quiet, of the people that you need to reconcile with. Even if you're the one who was wronged, if, if it's appropriate, take that list and reach out to all of those people. Ooh, this is hard. But I'm telling you, honest to God, if you do something like that, even though it's hard, you go to the next level spiritually. When you can sit and honestly say to yourself, you know what? I have reconciled with everybody I could possibly reconcile with. You enter a new level of peace, a new level of supernatural peace in the supernatural life. If no contact with one of those people or some of those people is possible or appropriate, that's fine. Offer a prayer for that person. Say, Lord, I forgive all of these people. I ask that you bless them totally. I ask that you give them eternal salvation, the best thing that anybody can have. And I let them go. They're on your plate. They're in your hands. They are your problem. I am leaving them here now at your feet. New level of peace when we do that. So reconciliation is truly being reconciled with God and it's reconciling with with each other by having the courage to reach out and say, I want this relationship healed. Even if we're not best friends anymore, I don't want to have anything between me and anyone else if that's possible. That is the core of making a plan. So during this whole process, this living the faith series, actually living it, be writing down notes. Be forming a plan for your sainthood. Because without a plan, there's absolutely no way to succeed. Here at St. Patrick's, we call it the PSP, the Personalized Spiritual Plan. And that PSP is essentially, how am I going to get from here? Right where I am right now, all the way to somebody writing an icon of me with light coming out of my head. Okay. There, if we don't have a plan to get there, it's not going to happen. You know, you don't become like the winning NFL quarterback in the Super Bowl just by sitting and watching football. You, you, you probably get a little, little plump by doing that. Not exactly in the kind of shape that you need to be to be that QB. In the same way, spiritually, we have to want it. We have to recognize we can't do it without the power of God. And we have to ask him for that power and pursue it with all our mind, heart, and strength. Then things start to happen. Then things that we've been dealing with our whole life, they start to break off of us. Things that we never thought we'd get past. They just become these flat little divots in the ground rather than this huge hurdle. He begins to make progress in our soul. What's the plan? If you need help with it, I encourage you, reach out to me. You know, you've probably heard me say it before. You have a physician for your body. You have a metaphysician for your soul. That's what your pastor is. That's what your priest is. He's someone that is trained 
in getting the spiritual part of you to an optimal level of health. So that with your body, you can say, I'm healthy. These two things that combine mysteriously to make me up, they're both healthy, healthy, so I'm healthy. We're shooting for that kind of health for every single person that comes to Mass at St. Patrick's, for every single person that's a parishioner, that they would have a PSP. They would have a plan to get to sainthood. Because the reality is what is true is true for everybody. But sometimes living that truth, living the faith, looks different from person to person based on their own needs and their own brokenness. So after you reconcile to God and build that into your schedule regularly, know how to go to confession, look forward to doing it regularly cleaned out, and you do a general confession, and you begin formulating this plan in your plan, okay, I'm going to start going to confession once a month. This is the day, this is the time, this is the place. Make an amendment of life. Say, God, I'm going to keep doing this. It's too hard. It's impossible. I can't do it. I need your grace to do it, but I'm going to keep doing it. I'm just going to keep doing it. Kind of like we just keep brushing our teeth. We're going to just keep doing it. And over time, as we accrue more and more of these practices, we become more and more and more ourselves. That's what being virtuous is. That's what attaining sainthood is. It's just being yourself. And one of the main ways that we get there is total reconciliation to God and total reconciliation to others. Now, if there's any questions, I'm kind of Q&A, go ahead and type them into the chat function. Um, can you give us a simple formula for confession, i.e., one, how long it's been, two, name sins, and or three, listen, four, execute? Yes, okay, so very good. So when you go to confession, the first thing you should say is, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. You're asking for blessing, and you're acknowledging that you've sinned. It's been six months since my last confession. These are my sins, okay? And then you name your sins. The priest listens. and at the end, you say, for these and for all my sins, I am sincerely sorry. I am heartily sorry. And the priest will say, great. He will give you some words of advice. He will assign you a penance. And a good penance is sort of the opposite of what you have brought to the sacrament. And he'll say something like, now please an act of contrition and make an act of contrition. I highly recommend that you memorize the act of contrition. Now here at St. Patrick's, we've taken the shortest version and taped it to the floor. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Another form, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner, what is also called the Jesus Prayer. It's the shortest act of contrition as well. And so even if that's the one you're memorizing, that's great. But there are longer acts of contrition that an adult can definitely memorize, and I, I highly recommend it. One of them is in the um, examination of conscience in the link that I put in here. So you make your act of contrition. The priest will give you absolution. He will say, go in peace. Okay. And at the end, you say, thanks be to God. And it's as simple as that. So you want to get used to sort of the, the flow of it. 
and uh, it'll be even more satisfying to you. If you go to confession regularly and you're forgiven, why do you need a general confession? Excellent question. So if you go to confession regularly, that's wonderful. That is a beautiful thing. One of the things the general confession does is the reality is most people haven't confessed the sins of their entire life. They haven't gone back to the age of seven and thought of, of all of the major deviations that they've had in their life. So that's one of the helpful things it can do is to sort of get rid of this deep-seated sin that happens at an earlier stage in life. But also what it does is it, it serves to sensitize the conscience on a deeper level. I'll tell you this, you know, like I said, I go to confession once a week. I mean, unless there's some sort of weird scenario, it's always once a week. And uh, I've made my general confession, and I truly think I have confessed everything I can honestly think of. And I still think of things every single week in my holy hour that I realize I did not confess, either from my past or some very complicated spiritual reality in my soul. And I bring those things to confession every week. And so it's sort of entering this like deeper purification of, of getting to a level that allows us to be so sensitized that uh, we can see through our soul like glass, like God does. Uh, if someone in your family has cut you off uh, after an outreach, how do you suggest one proceed? Heartfelt letter. Heartfelt letter is a great thing, and it's actually usually my recommendation for people, because if someone has cut you off, sometimes that is for reasons that are uh, maybe objectively valid, sometimes not. I've seen situations where, you know, people have been cut off for uh, reasons that seem to be purely deceptive or evil, um, that have nothing to do with, with the, the person that is being cut off. And so uh, a letter is a great place to start, maybe even a few letters with regularity. The general spiritual recommendation there, though, is that no matter what you do, no matter what type of contact you select, that you are laying that person at the foot of the cross. You're laying them at the feet of Jesus. Lord, this person and my relationship, they are totally, totally in your hands. What needs to happen, let it happen in the way it should, in the time frame that it should. Uh, can you talk about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation are both required? So reconciliation, um, you know, is when the most basic example is, you know, person A and, and, and person B have a, a falling out, right? And person A uh, punched person B in the nose and broke their nose. And then person B comes to person A and, and, and says, you broke my nose. And person A says, I'm very sorry. I don't know what came over me. Um, I would like to uh, be reconciled to you. And so person B says, that's fine. Okay, We're, we are reconciled. But person B doesn't really have to forgive that person on a deep, deep level. Forgiveness is something that often comes in stages. And so when we are reconciled to God, when we are reconciled to others, 
that is good. That is a good and holy thing, and that is what should be happening. But it should also co correspond with true forgiveness. Sometimes we can forgive people totally, all in one go. Sometimes it takes multiple attempts, multiple stages. Um, and it is a good and worthy and holy practice to, if you have somebody in your past that has hurt you in some sort of way, and they come up in the theater of the mind, and they're, you know, the devil's trying to rile you up or something is happening, it's a good thing to say, Lord, I forgive that person. And I ask that you forgive them as well. I forgive them to the extent that that's possible, and I ask that you forgive them as well. To get in that habit is very important because unforgiveness is actually one of the main things that can keep us in spiritual bondage. People don't realize that, but it's one of the primary ways that the enemy gets his meat hooks into us is by some sort of unforgiveness that, that's in, in us in, in some relationship. So you can forgive someone that you can never reconcile with, right? If they're dead or separated from you in, in, in some sort of way, and that is a good thing. So we should be seeking both if we can, but doing one or the other based on the situation, going as far as we can. Uh, on the general confession, I'm thinking one would benefit from a priest or spiritual director to help with this process. Absolutely. Yeah. No, reach out to your priest. Reach out to me. Yeah, okay. Um, what's, uh, what's the deal here? Because when you do a general confession, you don't get in the confession line at your parish. Because you, 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 nobody else would go to confession. Right? I think my, confession, my general confession was an hour, something like that. Make, you make a private appointment with a priest for a general confession. And maybe you have a meeting before that to kind of discuss, hey, what direction should I be going? What, what, what areas, what little dark corners of my past and my life should I be looking about at? And the priest will be more than happy, more than happy to help you with that. But yeah, definitely make an appointment. Should people have a practice of reconciling with other people, as you mentioned, on a regular basis? I think so. I think um, as soon as we recognize there's some sort of break in the relationship and your mind thinks, ooh, I should say I'm sorry, but then your flesh says, no, you shouldn't, that'd be weird. That's the time to do it. It's, it's the precipice between that like, ugh, kind of feeling, like, I don't want to do that, that sounds difficult. So as soon as we recognize that, that's great. Or if something comes to our conscience that says, hey, there's somebody from your past that you haven't fully reconciled with, that's a, that's a perfect time to do it as well. So it should be a regular, a regular thing. And if we've reconciled with them and we somehow are not fully forgiven them internally, then that's a matter for prayer. And we, we continually take that person to prayer and we're praying for them, for their salvation, for their healing. Um, for their total forgiveness. And that's what opens that interior gate up to that grace. Are there any sins you think often, uh, people often forget to confess, but probably should? Yeah, um, people almost always forget to confess pride. Pride is the root of all sin. You know, it, it, it is the Luciferian paradigm. You know, you read in the scriptures of what made Satan fall. He said, 
I am going to be bigger than you. I'm going to be better than you. I'm going to be more powerful than you. My will be done. It's pride. That's what it is. So any way that we sin is some sort of complicated delineation of that one sin of a human being saying, me, not you, me. It's an inward motion, which is the opposite of the Trinity. So it's a more specific way of saying, we said before, you are disintegrating from God. That's how you're doing it. You're turning inward to uh, fulfill your own self by something that's chaotic rather than moving outward, as God does totally selflessly. So that's a sin you can always confess if, if you want. If you're coming to confession as Father Pride. Um, also, a second one I would say, probably a close second one would be presumption of uh, thinking, ah, I can just go to confession after this. That's a very grave sin in and of itself. So pride and presumption. How to deal with a sin that is confessed, but uh, still keep uh, doing the sin? Yes. Okay, so this is a, this is a good question. So we sin, uh, we know we sin, and um, maybe we go back to it. Okay, so we'll take... Uh, uh, an, an easy one, gluttony, right? Gluttony is very simply eating more than you need. Eating, uh, living to eat rather than eating to live. Uh, type of thing. And so say you go to confession and, you know, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been a month since my last confession. To my knowledge, I, I have sinned by the sin of gluttony three times. Um, and for these and for all my sins, I am sorry. If that's a, a, an issue, if it's something that's become patternistic, then it's become a vice. So a vice is a bad internal habit, and a virtue is a good internal habit. That's the, those are the definitions of those words. They're just internal habits, and one of them is good, and one of them is bad, and then they manifest in our exterior actions. So if something has become vicious, if it has become a, a vice, well then our modus operandi is slightly different. Here's what I recommend. If you recognize that you have a vice, St. Francis de Sales would say, congratulations, you have your prayer project. You have your spiritual project, it is presented to you. So every day you're going to be praying against the spirit of gluttony in the name of Jesus. You're going to be asking God for the strength to resist the temptation to gluttony. You might pray a novena with the intention of moderation of self to St. Joseph or to the Blessed Virgin, those who have done those things very, very well and or perfectly. You might make a, a commitment internally that when you do fall into that sin, you're gonna go to confession. You're not gonna let it ride and say, eh, I'm gonna rack up a few more cakes before I go in there, you know what I'm saying. Like, no, you say, I'm going to go to confession. I'm going to stop right now, even though I may not really want to. And all of those things are going to start to break away at the foundation of it. When we do our talk on healing, which is in a few times, I believe, we're going to talk about vices and how they get there and how woundedness can actually be at the root of those vicious things in our life. So when we're bringing something like a specific sin that we know about, and is cyclical, uh, like gluttony, to our Lord, we're also thinking, why does that happen? 
You know, specifically, why does it happen to me? And the answer is always, there's some kind of woundedness within us that needs to be healed. So we bring that to our Lord and we say, Lord, whatever needs to be healed, please heal it. And when he heals it, the gluttony kind of goes away as a side effect. But keep confessing it. Do not be discouraged. Like, I always confess this. Good. <laughs> That's a good thing to confess it until it's gone. We just have to be in this mind frame of, you know what? I'm really going to do this. I'm really going to get to the point where this isn't going to be a part of my life anymore. That's joy. When the Holy Spirit conquers something in your life, that is, that's Shangri-La. I mean, that is true joy. Okay. That looks like all of the questions for now. Thank you very much. Very, very good questions. Thanks for joining us uh, for this second session. May Almighty God bless you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.